Good morning, Liberty Church. If you don't know me, my name is Samantha Bryant, and my husband and I are the youth pastors here at the AGRAF campus. Pastor Keith and Kelly are in North Carolina this weekend, preaching the good news, doing all the things. They're working on them to death, and so I'm stepping up today. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so over the last four weeks, Pastor Keith has been taking us through the restoration series, and each week he's been hitting us with some powerful points. I know that as John Wesley and I have left service these past four Sundays, we're always talking about in the car, okay, how can we implement this into our lives? How can we start to make this happen? And so today, it's the best one. We're ending it strong, and it's going to be awesome. So, restoration. Restoration, the best is yet to come, part four. So if you'll look in Nehemiah chapter one, verse four, it says this. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So when Nehemiah heard that his town was in ruins, this is his first reaction. And I feel total conviction because what's my first reaction when I hear about someone I love or someone I know that's in ruins? Like, that should be our first reaction. And in Nehemiah 1.11 says, Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who take delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. And so God had given Nehemiah this great mission to go back to where he was from and build the walls back up. But Nehemiah, like the rest of us, worked a job. And Nehemiah, though God had given him this plan, did not just peace out. Nehemiah put in his two-week notice, per se. And so if any of us struggle to know how would God have us to act when he gives us a mission and our work comes in the way, God always wants us to put in a two-week notice. (laughs) And so we keep reading. The king says this after Nehemiah asks him that he can go back. The king says, well, how can I help you? And with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king and if you're pleased with me, your servant, Send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And so on October the 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. So the story of Nehemiah is amazing. It's about reclaiming, it's about restoring, it's about rebuilding a nation back to its former glory. And if you haven't read yet the book of Nehemiah, I encourage you to go read it. It will inspire you. But a few we- over the past few weeks, we've begun to glean practical principles of restoration that enable us to experience that the power that God has. Because He wants to empower us. He wants to bring us back to wholeness. And He wants to empower us to be all that God has called us to be. So Nehemiah, he was restoring the former glory, but God wants to restore us, not to our old life, not to the good old days, not back when we didn't have that crick in our back. No, God wants to restore us even more to total fullness. And like, that's the kind of God that I want to serve, you know? I don't want to serve a God that's always looking back, but we serve a God who's always looking forward, and we have to get on track with Him. And so restoration of the kingdom of God is a little bit different than restoration we see in the world. It's not about going back, it's about moving forward, and Nehemiah wanted to restore Jerusalem, like I just said, to the former glory, but the best version of our life is yet to come. 
The best is yet to come. Can I get an amen? That the best is yet to come. That the life we live before is not the best of our life, but we have even greater things to live. Luke 9.62 says, But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. If we're looking back, we're looking in the wrong direction. And we all know that. We all know we shouldn't look back, we shouldn't look back. But if we do, we're missing out. So we can't redo the mistakes of yesterday or even more relive the victories. A lot of people either look back to their past sins and use that to disqualify them from being used by God today. And then there's the other half of us who look back at what amazing things God did in our life and we're stuck there. And so we have to find some sort of sweet spot where we're not stuck in the great things God did because he's still doing great things. And we're not stuck in our past where we disqualify ourselves from God using us. So we have to relinquish the past in order to embrace the future. Because the best is yet to come, y'all. So we've learned so far over the past couple weeks. Restoration requires heartfelt prayer. It requires an honest assessment. <clears throat> it requires... <clears throat> So sorry. It requires a mindset that works. It requires focused attention and determination and for us to face our fears. If you're not doing anything in your life right now that scares you, you need to step out. Like that's a call to God and that's what we talked about last week. If you're not facing your fears, what are you afraid of? And then conquering that, I want to encourage you, that's what God calls us to do. Nehemiah 4, 15 through 17 says this, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans, and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half the men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah, who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. So restoration requires community. We can never become who God's calling us to be by ourselves. This is a Celebrate Recovery Church, and so we hear this a lot, like, if you're a recovering addict, you need community. You need to make new friends. You need to surround with new people. You need people to remind you why you're fighting, why it's worth it. It's hard. All that good stuff. And we, we think that about recovering addicts, but the truth is, like, we all need that. Right? We all need community. We all need people reminding us in the tough times, this is why you're doing this. You know, we're the youth pastors, and sometimes it gets rough, y'all, and we hear sad stuff. And I go home and cry. And John Wesley has to remind me, this is why we do this, right? Because nobody else is listening to them. Because nobody else is being there week in and week out. And so for you, whatever your thing may be, we need those people, that community that says, I know it's hard right now, but this is why you're doing it. Right? This is why you decided to do this in the beginning. It's hard, but it's worth it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> So if we want to be restored, not just to where we once were, but be totally restored to the man or woman God originally called us to be, we need community. We need each other. When I was a teenager, I decided that I didn't need people, that I loved God, but I didn't really like his people. And I decided I didn't need people, but that's a lie from the enemy because we do. So we need each other. So the guards in this scripture, the guards were before them. The leaders were behind them, 
and the laborers were beside them. So we all need those people in our lives. We need people in front of us, our leaders, our elders, our mentors, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, people pouring into us. And then we need the people beside us, our brothers and our sisters, the people fighting the same fight that we are day in and day out in the same season. And then we need people behind us. We need sons, we need daughters, we need people who are counting on us. We need all three of those people. So I want to ask you, who is before you? Who is behind you? And who's beside you? Those people are critical in our restoration story. So when I was 19, I had just moved back home from college. I went to Bible college in Indiana for a year, and then I went to Thailand for a couple months. And so when I was 19, I moved back home. And though I loved Jesus before I left, I was just in a rut, you know? I had the same routines, and I did the same things, and I wasn't really, you know, stepping out. I wasn't really facing my fears. And so when I came back home, I was determined that I was not going to go back to those things. I was determined that I was going to be a difference maker, and that if I had to be the only one that was doing something different and facing my fears, that I would be that person. And so in order to do that, I decided to pick out a few older women that I really wanted to be like. And so I let them pour into me. We met for lunch, we met for dinner and breakfast, and, and they poured into me. And then I began to form this group of girls all around my age beside me that we were going to decide to not let insecurity hold us back, and we were going to decide that we were going to serve God no matter what it looked like. We were going to say yes to whatever He had for us, even if we were afraid. And then I began serving in 2911 Youth. And I had these students, these sixth grade girls, that were in my small group, and I was pouring into them every week. And so I know that I can attribute my success, my life now, to being the youth pastor of the youth group I was serving in, to being married to my wonderful husband and serving with the best team at Liberty Church. If you're not on the team, come join ours at the youth. But I can attribute that to all those things for those people in my life. You know, the ones that were pouring into me, because this was a new season, I'd never been here before, and the ones beside me that encouraged me and I encouraged them, and the ones behind me that I knew every week, they are counting on me, right? So this is why I do this, because they're counting on me. Our next point, restoration requires us to build and to battle at the same time. We have to have a tool in one hand and a sword in the other. Building and battling looks a lot like this. It looks like the single mom who works all day, and that girl's tired. And then she comes home, and she's on purpose with her kids to make holy moments in her home and to talk about Jesus. That's what building and that's what battling looks like. Building and battling looks like the person who opened the door for you this morning, right? They're holding the door open for you every Sunday, but their heart's desire is that their family would walk through that door. Right, because they're building and they're battling. They're building this place. They're making it open for you, but they're battling in private for their family. Building and battling looks like all of us when we choose to deal with our past, when we choose to break the generational curses, when we choose to get over the letdown and the mistakes, and we choose to let God use us. Each of us in here are building and battling, and that brings God like so much honor and so much glory. So building begins with removing the rubble.
There are some things in our past that don't need to move into our future. We have to deal with it or repeat it. A lot of people say that time heals all wounds, and I feel like by 2019 we should all know that that's not true. But people still say that, and people still believe that. Time heals all wounds. I'm here to tell you it doesn't. Time does not heal all wounds. Jesus does. Right? And so if we're in a relationship, and they cheat on us, and it's awful, and we're wounded, and then we move on to another relationship, what do we bring into it if we don't deal with it? We have no trust. You know, we have no stability. And then what happens? We end up messing that relationship up. And so that's the same in all areas of our life, spiritually, relationally, financially, all these different areas. If we don't deal with it, if we don't give it to God, it messes up everything along the way. So there's some things, y'all, that we can't bring into our future if we want to make it to the future that God has for us. And so I remember this picture I saw on Facebook, because I love Facebook. And it has been around forever. I'm sure everyone has seen it, but it's got this little girl, and she has a teddy bear. And here's Jesus in front of her, and he's like, just give it to me, just give it to me. And she's like, no, Jesus, this is my teddy bear. But he's got a bigger teddy bear behind him. And so, that, I mean, that's silly, and that's a funny comparison, but that's how it is. Like, God is like, give me your crappy, ugly, stinky past, and I'll give you this big, beautiful future that you could not even imagine, right? But we have to let go and give away the one in order to make room for the next. So the, this principle can sometimes be the hardest, which is why we can't do this alone, you know, letting go of our past, refusing to bring these old things into our future, it's hard. And that's why we need community. That's why we have a spiritual family. So you're not alone, and you do have a spiritual family. If you feel like you don't, just look around. We're all here, and I know everyone in here has a heart to help and lead and love. So reach out to somebody. So what are the things in life that you don't need to move into your future? Is it pride? Is it jealousy? Is it lust, perversion, bitterness, insecurities? We all have to deal with them. Nehemiah 4.10 says, Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. And that's the point, y'all. We can't build the wall by ourselves. They couldn't build the wall on their own, but with God's strength and with community, they could. So what? So building means developing things in our life today that will cultivate the tomorrow that God is calling us to. Building means developing. Building does not mean that God sprinkles dust on you and now you have these skills. Building means developing things in our own lives that cultivate the tomorrow that God is calling us to. So what habits do you need to develop today to move you into the future that God has for you. Think about it. God's calling in the direction of your life defines the habits that we have and the habits that we keep. So the excuse of, I didn't go to college, so I can't do that. Or I never even graduated high school, so how can I start my own business? If that's what God's calling you to do, there are resources out there. We literally live in the best time where literally you can YouTube anything. You can learn, you can work your tail off, and you can have the skills and be ready so that when God opens the door, you know what you're doing. Whereas if we don't do that, the door opens, we're not ready, and we shut it back. 
And so what has God called you to do? Has he called you to be the spiritual leader of your home, and yet you have no idea what that looks like? Look around. There's a lot of great men and women in here that would love to help you, I know. So all the resources that we need are out there, and God is waiting on us to use them. Let's not miss out. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10 says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement or add to your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. But if we fail to develop, we are of no use. So seven ways from that scripture that we can respond to God's promises. And any less response is less than he deserves. Moral excellence. We have to be morally excellent. We have to have knowledge. Know what you're talking about. Get educated. Self-control. We all need that. Patient endurance. Godliness. Brotherly affection. And love for everyone. That should always be our response to God's promises. So battling doesn't mean we're always fighting. It means we're always on the guard. It's not the enemy that comes against us, but what we allow within us that defeats us. So I work at a doctor's office, and I help people uh, plan a diet and lose weight and all that fun stuff, and I get to encourage them and all these different things, but the biggest thing that we try to drill on people said is this, once you hit your goal weight, you can't go back to the way that you were before. Right? We all know that. Once, once I hit my goal weight, I can't keep eating ice cream every night again. I can't go back to that. And so the same is for us spiritually. Once you're free from pornography and you're totally free, you can't start it again. You can't go back to letting your walls down. You can't go back to watching that TV show again. Once you're free from financial craziness where you ain't got no money and Jesus teaches you how to work a budget, come on, Lord. We can't go back to buying everything that looks pretty. Once God restores our marriage, we can't go back to living the way that we were and talking to people on Facebook that we shouldn't be talking to. We always have to be on guard. We don't always have to be fighting. I don't always have to be fighting the the perversion and the lust and the different things that I fought before. I don't always have to fight that, right? Because I'm free. God has set me free. But I always have to be on guard and protect my freedom. Psalms 55.10 says this, Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. The real danger is the little things that we let into our heart. The real danger is a little slip here and a little this there. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. 
ladies, our husbands can't guard our hearts. Wish they could. And gentlemen, us ladies sure can't guard y'all's hearts. We can't guard our kids' hearts. We can't guard our friends' hearts. But what are we called to do? We are called to guard our own heart. And we have to guard it. And we have to set traps. And we have to set up boundaries so that we're safe. So we're never free from the threat of the enemy. But we are guaranteed victory over the enemy. Because our victory is directly connected to our relationship with God. Your victory is directly connected to your relationship with the Lord. Whatever you're praying for, whatever you're believing for, that victory is directly related to your relationship with the Lord. So we're not defeated by the strength of our enemy. He's not stronger than our God. No, he's not. And we are not, but we are defeated by the weakness of our relationship with God. We like to blame the devil all day long. Well, the enemy just got me real good, and he made this and that happen again in my life. No, no, no. Because God's Word tells us that we're not defeated by the weakness, uh, the strength of our enemy. We're defeated by the weakness of our relationship with God. And that's like a little prick in our heart, and that hurts a little bit to hear. But that's the truth. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 through 9 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Stay alert. We have to stay alert. And this is why we need to be in community, right? Because if I'm all alone and isolated in my issues and the things I'm going through, I think I'm the only one. But if I have community and I know three of my other friends are going through the same thing and look at them walking it out and look at them standing strong and look at them serving God. So that's why we need community. And that's why we need to have people around us so that I know that when I'm going through a tough time, it's not just me. I'm not all alone. God has not forgotten me. I'm not the only one who has a hard life. We all do. And yet look at all of us walking it out day in and day out. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If we are in obedience to God, the enemy has to leave. He has no other choice, because God's word tells me. He has to flee when I'm in obedience. So anytime that God tells me to do something, and instead of taking a step forward, I take a step back, I'm welcoming the enemy into my life. But when anytime God tells me to take a step forward, and I do it afraid and all, the enemy has to leave, and then the fear has to leave. First John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you will, just bow your head with me. And if you are a Christian and you're serving the Lord, but you're stuck And anytime God tells you to do something, you take a step back. Instead of taking a step forward, I want to encourage you this morning that God is already ahead of you. He's already working the path. You're not going to fall. You're not going to stumble. And so, Lord, I pray over those people, whoever that may be, God, that you would give them the peace and you would give them the courage that they need to step out in faith to be the men and the women that you've called them to be, to be the spiritual leaders in their family, in their life. And Lord, I pray for anyone in here that doesn't know you. 
And if that's you, I wanna encourage you to stand. If you don't know the Lord and you wanna be restored, if you keep hearing these stories of how God's changed people's lives, restored their families, taken addiction away from them, and that's what you want, I encourage you to stand because today is your day. Because God's not done with you yet. He's got a plan for your life. It's just gotta walk alongside His. And so Lord, I pray for anyone in here that's struggling to wanna know you and to give up the past and and take this step forward. Lord, I pray for courage and for strength that the enemy can't have them, that they are yours. And Lord, I just pray over every heart here, Lord, that we would be encouraged to know that we're not fighting this battle alone and we're not the only ones struggling, but God, that with the people before us and the ones beside us and the ones we're leading that are coming behind us, that we can press on and we can press through and our lives will be restored to the full glory that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.